Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. In Philemon chapter 1 and verse number 24, there are a couple of names that are mentioned. And I want you to imagine this just for a moment. Imagine if you had the opportunity to work with the Apostle Paul. Yeah, that would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? How do you think your faith would grow? How do you think your confidence talking to others would would increase? Don't you think just being around him would just help you to become even that much stronger? I think that would be the case. And what we find at the end of Philemon, verse number 24, we find a man by the name of Demas. And I want to think about this man here for a moment. Where he is mentioned with some other men like Mark and Luke and Aristarchus, where it says uh, in verse 23, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. We find that Demas is mentioned here in Philemon, verse number 24, and also in Colossians chapter 4. In verse number 14, where you turn over there as well. In Colossians chapter 4, in verse number 14, we have another account or reference or mention of this man by the name of Demas. Obviously, he was not the only one who worked with the Apostle Paul. As we've seen, there were many others who were with Paul during his missionary journeys and that Paul would mention. And we find here again in Colossians chapter 4, in verse number 14, Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings and also Demas. He was a a faithful servant of God. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He worked with Paul, with Luke, with John, Mark, and others. And yet, there's a sad commentary when we go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul was near the end of his life. He had fought the good fight. He had finished his course And there was a crown that would be awaiting him one day. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 9, Paul, as he wrote to Timothy, he said, Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, listen to this, having loved this present world, has deserted me. Don't you find that interesting? Or maybe I should say, don't you find that a little bit sad? This man by the name of Demas was with Luke and so many others. And had the opportunity to, to work with, with Paul. And yet, here, at the end of the life of Paul, he said, Demas has forsaken me, or has deserted me, abandoned me. Paul was in prison. And the only explanation that we have is that he have having loved this present world. Now, there are some different thoughts about this. Was Demas not willing to suffer for the cause of Christ? Did Demas go all the way back to the cares of the world? That's what it sounds like when I read that, when I consider who he was and what he was able to do. But now it appears that Demas was not able to finish. Demas is a sad case study. And yet he is a reminder of so many lessons for us when it comes to discipleship. There was something that, there's something that got in the way of this man's progress in his walk with Christ. And his story is an illustration that Jesus used. I think it connects with what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14. Will you turn over there? In Luke chapter 14, 
By this time in the ministry of Jesus, he had great crowds following him. In fact, in Luke chapter 14 and verse number 25, it says, Now large crowds were going along with him. And he turned and said to them, he's going to say some of the most challenging words in his ministry. They're still challenging for me, and they probably are challenging for you. For someone who is considering following Jesus Christ, they will be challenging to them as well. These are words that we don't just consider when we become a Christian, but these are words that we need to remember every day. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish All who observe it begin to ridicule him. Notice this example or this illustration. Or what king, or verse number 29, otherwise when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all will observe it and begin to ridicule him, saying this man, verse 30, began to build and was not able to finish. That's what I want us to consider this morning, and that's what I want us to consider as we move into a new year he began to build. I think about Demas and the fact that he was very much like this man in this illustration that, that Jesus used as he talked about discipleship. A man who had good intentions. A man who began to build, but a man who was not able to finish. And I think if we're being honest, this illustration, do you see yourself in it? Because I see myself in this illustration at times. This man who began to build, he's like a lot of us where Many of us may have begun something. Maybe we had some intentions back in 2021, and we started off strong, but we did not finish. Can you relate to that at all? He began to build. The man in the story here, he ran out of money. That's what hindered him. But think about some of the things that sometimes get in our way of things that we are striving to build in our lives. Maybe it's things that are personal that we're trying to build or things in our family or things in our discipleship. There are things that can hinder us from finishing what we have started. For some, it may be money. For others, it may be time. Then for some, it could be conviction or energy or patience. The new year is always an opportunity to reflect, to ponder, to consider, to resolve, to set goals, to examine our hearts. And it's also a great time to see where we are in our walk with Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I don't see your heart and I don't know everything that's going on in your life. But I would like to ask you some questions. Questions that I need to think about and that you need to think about. Are we growing in our faith? Are we moving forward? Or have we become like Demas who began to build? was working in the kingdom, was working next to an apostle, was seeing the power of God, hearing the gospel preach, and yet he did not finish. Before we beat up Demas too much, there are other examples of individuals who started off strong that give us an example of what not to do or at least a warning of what potentially can happen if not careful. Demas began to build. This man in the illustration, he began to build and, and, and think about Peter in Matthew chapter 26. 
at least at this moment in his life, Peter, he had some strong convictions. And Peter said some really powerful things right after the Lord's Supper had concluded or Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. And after they sang a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives in Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 30. Then Jesus in verse 31 said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. It was not going to be only Peter, but he said, All of you will fall away because of me this night, for it is written. He's going to quote from Zechariah chapter 13. I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I've been raised, talking about his resurrection, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Now watch Peter and the confidence of Peter. And what Peter said, no, this is what I am going to do. Peter said to him, even though all may fall away, Because of you, I will never fall away. You ever have that mindset too? I know what everybody else may do, but that is not going to happen to me. I will not fall away. Jesus said to him in verse 34, Truly I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Look, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing too. They all had the right intentions. They all had the right heart. They all had the right conviction. But look at Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 69. We know the rest of the story, don't we? Where they started off strong, but they failed to follow through, at least at this period in time. We know what would happen in Acts 2 where they would be bowed. But here in verse 69 of Matthew 26, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard And a servant girl came to him and said, you too were with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you're talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. (laughs) I don't know the man. A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, surely you too are one of them. For even the way you talk gives you away. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said. Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. It wasn't just Peter. All of them fell away, at least at that moment scattered. They had good intentions, but they ran out of courage and conviction and determination. Demas began to build and did not finish. And the apostle Peter, at least in this moment, did the same thing. So what about Solomon? I think about Solomon in first Kings chapter three, Solomon, he certainly began to build. We have talked a great deal about his dad And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, after his father uh, David gave him, I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 3, after David gave him words to remember, in 1 Kings chapter 3, what we find here is that Solomon, the Lord appeared to him in verse 5 in a dream at night and said, ask what you wish me to give you. And Solomon had wisdom here. He had wisdom and awareness to understand his flaws or his shortcomings and understanding, I need you, God. I know who you are, God. You are righteous and truth and upright, and you are love. And 
You have given me this opportunity, a son, to sit on this throne as it is this day. Verse 7, now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in the place of my father David. Yet I'm but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. So he's going to ask for wisdom in verse 9. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And God said, okay, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to give you even more than what you're asking. If you will just simply follow me, verse 14, if you walk in my ways, keep my statutes and commandments. As your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. And what Solomon did was fantastic. He continued to build the kingdom. He built the temple of God. He built his house. But in the process of time, as he was beginning to build and growing, he would not finish either, at least with what we have recorded. Because what we find at the end of his days is that now he was building idols and altars in high places. You see, what happened in 1 Kings chapter 11, Solomon's love and his devotion shifted. His love and devotion was for God. But now in 1 Kings chapter 11, we find that he loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian and Hittite women, and they turned their hearts or his heart against God. He held fast to these in love in verse number two. Verse four, for when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. He began to build. We have cases like Demas and Peter and the apostles and others. What Solomon did at the end of his days, he built the wrong things. He began to build. What about us? You think about where you are in your walk with Jesus. As we enter into 2022, we're already a couple of days in. There's always excitement about a new year and new opportunities, the, the posts on Facebook, the optimism that people have, and we should have great optimism. We should be people who are grateful and thankful, and we have so much to look forward to. But where might we be? Did we begin to build something for the Lord in 2021? In our faith, in our families, in this congregation, did we finish? It may have looked something like this. I'm going to read the Bible in one year. That's a really great thing to do. And we may have begun to build, but did we finish? I'm going to teach someone the gospel. I've been working with this person for a long time. I see him every day at work. I see her every time I go to school. I see them all the time in the neighborhood. And I'm going to make sure I make time to spend with them, to share with them Jesus Christ. We began to build, but did we finish? I'm going to be a better parent and a better spouse. Good intentions, but did we follow through? You know, I'm going to spend more time with brethren. That's when the, the masks were coming off in 2021, and we're going to have more people over. We're going to have more opportunities for hospitality. We may have had good intentions, but back in 2021, just a couple of days ago, as you reflected upon the past year, did you begin to build? And did you follow through? I'm sure there are many things in some areas or many areas that we all made progress in, 
But for some, things maybe went nowhere. But I don't want you just to think about 2021. Now I want to challenge you. I want you to think about the last five years in your walk with Christ. Have you been building? Or the last decade, many of us have been in the body of Christ for a really long time. Where are we? I think about Revelation chapter 3. Will you turn over there? And I think about that church in Sardis that Jesus speaks to and the church that he warns and reminds them. They had a problem, and it's something for all of us to consider. It's something that we need to ponder in our faith and our walk and our discipleship. Because when we think about people like Demas, what happened to Demas? That didn't just happen in a matter of a few hours or a few days, but there was something that was taking place that slowly got him to this point. And I think about the church in Sardis in Revelation 3 and verse 1. He, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. I think that is so scary because they thought everything was okay. And yet Jesus is showing them or reminding them everything is not okay. No, because really you are dead even though you think that you are alive. And he says in verse 2, wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. I think that's interesting as well. There were a few that were remaining and being faithful to God. And yet Jesus said, listen, you need to wake up and strengthen yourself. Well, what happened to that church there? That didn't just happen overnight. There had to be some kind of continual progress of slowly going down this path where initially they began to build. Their love and their devotion to God was strong, their passion And zeal to God was powerful, but something happened to the point that they were asleep and didn't even know it. And Jesus says, you got to wake up. What happened? Those two words are sad words. What happened? Those are words that we hear after some kind of tragedy. What happened? And those are appropriate words when something tragic happens. Yet there are greater tragedies, certainly not diminishing tragedies that happen in our lives. But you know what's a tragedy? When a Christian falls away from the Lord. What happened? That's a tragedy. And that's happened here. Or families whose foundations began to crumble in 2021 or in 2020, or in 2015. And we've had all this time to build our families back up, to solidify relationships, and yet we haven't done it. What happened? Or the things that we said we were going to do for one another and for God. What happened? That's a question that needs to be answered. As you think about walking with Jesus Christ and being a disciple the way that he tells us to be a disciple, it's a question that we need to consider. Go back to Luke chapter 14. You go back to Luke chapter 14, 
As you think about what happens sometimes, I think Jesus gives us some insight. As you think about your walk with Christ, what really happens when we don't finish? I don't have all the answers, but I think there are some things, number one, that we can say. What happens sometimes when we don't finish the things that we say we're going to do? Well, number one, maybe we just really didn't mean it. If we say we're going to do something, and as we think about our faith in this local congregation of what we are trying to do here, giving God glory and worshiping him and serving him, do we actually mean what we say? Talk is cheap. Action is required. And that's what Jesus says. In verse 27 or verse 26, actually verse 27, whoever does not carry his own cross. You see, there's action there. And being Christian-ish, being a part of the world, not really being on one side or the other, trying to do things according to our terms, Christianity according to our terms, that will never cut it with God. Jesus says, take up your cross And follow me. Roman prisoners bound for crucifixion were forced to carry the horizontal cross beam to the place of execution. This image reflects not just self-denial, but humiliation, even to the point of death. What Jesus is speaking of here is a life of total commitment to him, even to the point of suffering and death. Maybe that's why in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 10, the saints, they were going through suffering. They were going to face even more suffering for a period of time. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 10, as he wrote to the church or spoke to the church in Smyrna, he said, do not fear. Look at verse 9 actually. He said, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich in the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. You see, that's the kind of discipleship Jesus is teaching us to have. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 11, as we find this picture of who the devil is, the serpent of old, the accuser, in Revelation 12 and verse number 11, actually in verse number 10, The Bible says, then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. That's the devil has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. Now watch this. I want you to see the faith of these Christians. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. That is the heart and devotion and commitment Jesus expects from his disciples. They did not love their life even to death. What happens when we don't finish? We think about our discipleship and walking with Christ. Maybe we just really didn't mean the things that we have said or the commitment that we said we were going to do. Or maybe we we did mean it, but we just didn't have a good plan to follow through with the things that we said we were going to do. Well, look back in Luke chapter 14. Jesus, as he speaks about discipleship again in Luke chapter 14, and I find this powerful because Jesus is talking to the crowd. He's not sugarcoating anything. He's helping them to see, this is what I'm going to require of you. So maybe we did mean it, but sometimes what happens when we don't finish? Maybe we didn't have a plan. We may have wanted to do it or do something, but we just never planned how. And those who don't have a plan, 
will not do. But notice what Jesus says. He gives us our marching orders. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Brothers and sisters, that's where our plan is found in the teaching of Jesus. Jesus says, come after me. His words and teaching give us the plan or the model to follow. You see, it's one thing to say that we love Jesus, but it's another to follow his words. If you love me, you'll do what? Keep my commandments. You see, that's the plan for us to follow. If we're not listening to Jesus, we're not going to finish this journey that we have begun. We're not going to finish the way that the Apostle Paul did in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I fought the good fight. I finished my course. Maybe we have good intentions, but we just don't follow the plan. You know what we need to do? We need to listen to the words of Jesus. And I think one of the best places to begin is in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. As we think about our discipleship and taking up our cross and following him, Jesus reminds us who we are to be, how we can be blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Those are our marching orders. That's who we are supposed to be. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You see, Jesus tells us how to live and who we are to be as we take up our cross and follow him. Our responsibility is to follow his will, follow his plan, which means we may have to be reconciled to one another at times, as he spoke about in Matthew chapter 5, which means we may have to take extreme measures to avoid committing adultery in the heart, which means that we'll have to judge righteously and not in a hypocritical manner. Which means that we'll have to be fully devoted to him and not with our money. You see, Jesus tells us exactly how to live. The Sermon on the Mount is a great place to begin. He began to build. Many Christians begin to build. But do we really mean the things that we say? Do we really mean what we say about Jesus Christ? Sometimes we don't finish because maybe we just don't really mean it. Or maybe we didn't have a plan to do it. Or maybe we just didn't fully count the cost. That's what Jesus is driving at here. And you go back to Luke chapter 14. He is driving at, you need to count the cost. We may have planned to a degree, but maybe we just didn't really fully understand. And count the cost. Look, Jesus puts high demands on those who will be his disciples. Whoever comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple, period. He must be first. Number one. Priority number one. And if you're reading this, somebody may be thinking, is that even possible to meet this demand? To love him in such a way? more than ourselves, even more than my wife or my son or you? The answer is yes. Paul, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7, hopes us to see that it's possible, brothers and sisters. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 7, Paul, and Paul had a great resume here in Philippians chapter 3 and who he was 
in his previous life. But Paul has one of the best lines, or not lines, but words of just showing how serious he was about his discipleship. In verse 7, he said, Whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. That's how serious Paul was. He took up his cross and he followed Jesus. He counted the cost and he knew the direction that he was headed in. In verse 13, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do. You want to find something to do in 2022? Meditate on this verse here. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Heaven was on his mind. And he would talk about heaven at the end of chapter 3, about this great transformation one day that will take place. Maybe we don't finish. Or maybe other Christians don't finish because we just don't remember and think about enough where we are truly headed. This world has become so comfortable and many of us have so much and it's not wrong to have a lot or even much, but it can get in the way of not careful of choking the word of God from our hearts, the worries and the cares and the accumulation of stuff. Paul said, I know where I am going and my hope and my focus is not on politics. It's not on the president, previous president, current president, or the next president in a few years. It's not in any party. It's not in my health or my riches or my fame or my reputation or my salary. It's in Jesus Christ. That's where my focus is. That's how we can put Jesus Christ first. And Paul says something in chapter 4, which will really challenge us. Challenges me because he said in verse number 9, The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So he answers the question, it is possible. And not only is it possible to take up our cross and to follow Jesus daily, it is something that Jesus expects I have good news and bad news. What kind of person are you? You like the good news first or the bad news? All right. We'll start with the good news. It's the new year. Here's the good news. Because maybe you can relate a lot with Solomon, Peter, Demas. The good news is we have an opportunity today to repent and to return to Jesus if we have left him if we have lost our first love, if he is not first in our lives above me or you or your spouse sitting next to you or your children or your job or your status, we have an opportunity to turn and not just with sorrow in our hearts, but action, fruit, where it's clearly seen that we have turned away and turned to God. A lot of times people think, well, repentance is such a terrible thing. No, it's not. It's a great thing. John the Baptist came preaching a message of repentance. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand in Mark chapter 1. Believe the gospel. The apostles preached the message of repentance. So the good news is that if we find ourselves not where we need to be in our discipleship, we have opportunity to change. I think about John Mark. I don't know what happened with Mark and Paul and and Barnabas, but he, he left 
And yet he was able to make some changes in his life and to be useful again for Paul. The good news today, brothers and sisters, is that we have an opportunity to heal broken relationships, to show mercy, to give mercy to others, to forgive others, so that we can arise and build even more in this church and in our families. The good news is that if we're not where we want to be or where we should be, we have another year to share the gospel, to study the gospel, and to share and to help one person hear the good news about Jesus. Maybe you didn't follow through with your Bible reading. Maybe you just didn't read as much or pray as much or teach your children about God's word. The good news is that we have opportunity today and tomorrow, but we got to have a plan and follow through. The saints in Acts chapter 17, the saints in Berea, if I remember it correctly, were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures daily to see whether or not the things Paul said were true. Jesus had a plan when he woke up early in the morning to pray. The apostles had a plan to follow through with the ministry and prayer in Acts chapter 6. We need to have a plan as well and follow through. We have an opportunity today and this year to become closer to one another, to serve one another, to help individuals to learn the truth about Jesus Christ. That's the good news. The good news is that we have today. I don't know how long today will last, but we have today. Now, i got to tell you the bad news. The bad news is back in Luke chapter 14. And it's what Jesus said at the end of this chapter in Luke chapter 14 as he talked about discipleship. And as he talked about building a tower and not calculating the cost and understanding the significance of what was going to take place or the cost involved with it. He would say in verse number 31, or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Look at verse 33. So then... None of you, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Now, that's an interesting verse. None of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. The bad news is if we're not willing to give up all of our possessions, Jesus said we cannot be his disciple. How do we understand this? How do we interpret this? Do we literally have to give up everything we have? Well, it is interesting because back in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 33, Jesus said, sell your possessions and give to charity. So you have another example where he says, sell all your possessions and give the charity. That's not looking good for us. Then he said in Luke chapter 14, in the same context, in verse number 14, he said, talking about this parable here, he said in verse 13, but when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So take care of these individuals and you will be repaid When Jesus returns, are we to sell all of our possessions? And if we don't, does that mean that we can never be a disciple? That's what he said in Luke chapter, in Luke chapter 14. Then look at Luke chapter 18. As he talked to the rich young ruler, he said in verse number 22, one thing you still lack, sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come follow me. 
How do we handle this? I'm getting a little nervous here. Jesus said back in Luke 14, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all of his own possessions. Well, context and harmony are always our best friends. And when you look at Luke chapter 19, you have the story of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, he, he said, look, in verse 8, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. So Zacchaeus was blessed with what he did, and he still had some possessions. So to take that literally, we are going to get ourselves into a lot of trouble. The Apostle Paul had possessions as well at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 4. In fact, he asked Timothy, you bring me my, my cloak and my books. You bring me my parchment. So I don't think that's what Jesus is trying to drive home, but he is trying to make a point. What is the point? None of you can be my disciples who does not give up all of his own possessions. I think Paul is one of the best examples. Again, we go back to Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 7. Paul had possessions. Paul had things. Paul had money. But the mindset and devotion of Paul is what I think Jesus is driving at here. But whatever things, Philippians 3 and verse 7, were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He was fully devoted And the things that he had were nothing compared to God. And I think what Jesus is driving at here in Luke chapter 14 is this idea of being fully devoted to our king. In Luke chapter 16, as he talked about the the, the manager and the shrewd servant at the end of Luke chapter 16, he drives home this point of devotion in verse number 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. What is Jesus driving at? Well, you look back in the context of Luke chapter 14, he's talking about being fully devoted to him. Nothing can come before me, not yourself, not your family, not your children, not even your possessions. I must be first. You must cling to me above everything else. Do not be captive or held captive by your possessions. Your heart must be fully mine. Why is this bad news? Well, it's not bad news if we are being devoted to Jesus. But when he says this, And continues on, he says, therefore, salt is good. But even if salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless, either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Salt has a purpose. Be salt, be light, Matthew chapter 5. But salt that has lost its flavor or purpose is useless. And this, I think, is the bad news. He's painting the picture of the disciple who's not going to be devoted to him, who is not continuing to build and putting him first. He's no longer useful. A disciple cannot be half-hearted. Jesus is laying it all out on the line. Salt that does not serve or accomplish its purpose is useless. It's thrown out. And that's the bad news. 
That doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be you. I'm so thankful that in Luke 15, the theme of that chapter is repentance. And when one person comes back to the Lord, the angels in heaven rejoice. And that's what we may need to do. Jesus is driving home something very powerful that we need to think about in 2022, that if we're going to be his disciple, we've got to be all in. We've got to take up our cross and follow him all the way. Notice what he said in verse 35. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He said that again earlier in Luke chapter 8 and verse number 8 when he talked about the sower and the seed and the kind of heart that individuals have. In Luke chapter 8 and verse number 8, He said, other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's what the prophets cried out. It's what Isaiah cried out. It's what Ezekiel cried out in chapter 12 and verse number 2 when he spoke to the rebellious Israelites who heard but did not hear, who had eyes but really could not see. Why? Because they weren't really following God. They were not fully devoted to him. They were rebellious. And this is the bad news that I speak of. The good news is that we have time to continue on. The good news is that we have time to repent. The good news is that we have time to take up our cross and follow Jesus. The bad news is what happens when we don't. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He began to build. This is a year of building. A year of building and doing even more for God. We're not trying to earn our salvation. We can't do that. But because of who he is and what he has done for us. I want to conclude with Philemon, verse number 24. There are three names in here. And maybe you relate to one of these three men. Mark, Demas, Luke fellow workers. Luke was devoted to God. He was a physician. He supported Paul. And Luke, he began to build, and he just kept on going. He kept on building. And I know, I'm sure many of us fall into that category like Luke. That's where you are. God bless you. Keep going. Keep building. Keep producing fruit. Mark deserted Paul and Barnabas for a short period of time. But he came back. And he devoted himself even more to the work. And maybe that's where some of us are today. Maybe we just haven't been as devoted as we need to be. We have an opportunity to come back. That's good news. God doesn't give up on us. If that's you, then devote yourself to God fully today. Cut out the things in your life that are wrong and sinful, that are laying aside what you really need to be doing. But then some of us may be like Demas. If that's us and we have fallen away, we've gone back to the things of the world, then we have an opportunity right now to make that right with God, to confess our sin, to repent, and to follow him. Life is not promised. And as disciples, we have to make that decision. He began to build. We are building something. How will our story end? The choice is ours. 
Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or are looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do and so can you. Take care and God bless.